Hey guys, welcome to The Journey of Ruth, a discipleship podcast where we encourage listeners to love Jesus, study his word, and reach others. I'm your host, Courtney Lohman. A warning before we start this week's episode. This week's conversation could be a trigger for some or inappropriate for little ears. We will be discussing the topic of abortion, so you may wish to listen when children aren't present. So my guest today is Jonathan DeVore. Jonathan is the Charlotte City Director for Love Life. Love Life is an organization that seeks to work with the church to see an end to abortion and the orphan crisis. Their organization takes a holistic approach that includes counseling individuals and couples that are considering abortion, connecting those that have chosen life with local church communities, and ministering to individuals that have experienced an abortion in their past. I was blessed to have an open and honest conversation with Jonathan about his experience with abortion, the ministry of Love Life, and how we can appropriately and yet lovingly have a conversation with others about abortion. Now, before we get to my conversation with Jonathan, I can't say enough Thank you for your support. This week, we received a few new reviews. Thanks, guys. So let me read a couple of them to you. From Nez Naj, N-E-Z-N-A-J, Courtney is a gifted interviewer who listens to her audience for show ideas. Always an interesting conversation. Thanks, Nez Naj. We also got one from Angie B421. Courtney's honest conversation style pulls me in and offers encouragement for my spiritual journey. Thank you, Angie. So if you love the podcast, will you do the same thing that these listeners did? It won't cost you anything but a minute or two of your time. Go to the podcast app where you're listening to this right now and do two things. First, leave a five-star rating and review. Let others know why you enjoy the show so much. Second, most of the podcast players have a way to share episodes. Share the show or your favorite episode with five people you think would enjoy listening. And that's it. And I would love to read your review on the podcast next week. You're the best way for new listeners to find and enjoy the podcast. Thank you, each one of you, for the support you've shown and for your help in spreading the word. Now let's move on to my conversation with Jonathan DeVore. Well, I am here with Jonathan DeVore. Jonathan, thank you for joining me this morning. Absolutely. Thank you, Courtney, for having me. And it's a privilege and honor to be on the Journey of Ruth podcast. And uh, it's an honor and privilege. So, Yeah. Now, Jonathan was introduced to me by my dad, actually. <laughs> um, occasionally, he will send me messages and say, you've got to have this person on the podcast. Not that I'm telling you what to do, but you've got to have them on the podcast. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Um, and so tell us a little bit about who you are and um, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Yeah, your, your dad, um, Pat, he's a, he's a dear brother to me. Um, I actually met him at Barn Brothers here in uh, right over the border in South Carolina. And mm -hmm. we did immediate connection and um, we've got lunch together numerous times, but he's a dear brother. So I'm thankful to even be to this point right now, um, sitting down with you, Courtney. And did you uh, make him pay for lunch? Um, I think I might have paid every time for him, or maybe he did <laughs> pay for me once. I'm trying to remember. Um, but Dad, way, come so on, looked, step up. <laughs> I tell you, but either way, regardless, I, I look forward to getting together with him. It's just, it's always encouraging. So mm -hmm. yeah, great 
great dad, um, great testimony, but, um, but it's kind of cool to see God's, God's hand even leading to this point. So, um, but again, thanks for having me on, but yeah, my name is Jonathan DeVore. I'm the Charlotte city director at Love Life. Um, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ first and foremost, God saved me in 2006. And, um, I met my, my wife, um, at uh, the church that God saved me in and, um, yeah, actually at the singles group and, uh, we've been married for 13 years. We have two children, um, Eleanor, she is nine. She will be 10 in February. Uh, then my son, Elias, uh, he is five and he'll actually be turning six in March. So, um, very, very blessed. God's, God's hand is on our family and he is really good Been been very good to me. You're the Charlotte city director for love life. Now, I'm going to admit something to you that I haven't even told you. And that's that when my dad suggested that I have you on, um, mm. my first reaction, my heart reaction was, oh, I don't, I don't really know if I can, you know, have him on. Um, and Love Life is a ministry that um, ministers to those who are considering abortion or have had an abortion. We're going to talk a lot more about that today. Um, but just that word abortion, um, it put a lot of like uncertainty in my heart. And my first reaction was to say no. And then my second reaction was to say, why? Why is that? Wh- why is that such a hard thing for you to even think about talking about on the podcast. And I, I think, and so I had to pray <laughs> to say, God, can you just reveal to me what's going on in my heart? And I know that part of it is my personal, um, I don't really like uh, controversy and abortion can be such a controversial topic. And so the thought of talking about something that is, um, that heavy was a little difficult for me to even think about. And then eventually God was like, this is, this is a challenge for you and it's a challenge for your listeners and you need to talk about this. This is not something that um, is light. It is a serious topic um, and you need to talk about it. And so then I thought, okay, well, I need to know more about this organization. And I went on to Love Life's website and I did a lot of research before I even emailed you and listened to testimonials, um, read what your guys' uh, perspective is on life, on um, ministry, and how you guys reach out to these women and men. And all I saw everywhere I looked was love. It's in your name, um, but I didn't see any condemnation. I didn't see any shame in anything that was, um, was on your website or anything that I found on YouTube. It was all love-based. And I thought, okay, we can talk about love and we can talk about um, the place that love has in the topic of abortion. And so I knew then we had to have you on and uh, contacted you. So can you tell us about Love Life and what you guys do? Yeah. And I just want to first say, you know, Courtney, thank you for your openness and your honesty and transparency, because I think a lot of people view whenever they hear the word abortion, it, it can the reality is this is a very difficult subject and Mm -hmm. it's not something that is just lightly just talked about. Um, I believe as well that it's been very much over politicized. Um, And the reality of abortion is that at at the heart of it is that there is a life and then there is a termination um, of that life. And and it's, and it's hard when you really think about the depths of, of what is happening in our country, over 700 abortion clinics in the U S in basically, there's roughly about 2,800 babies that are killed every single day 
in this country. And that's a staggering number. So that's a 9-11 basically happening every single uh, day in this country. But Love Life, instead of like you mentioned, we are not a ministry of shame and condemnation. We are not a ministry that is there to you know, hurl insults um, or any type of uh, negativity. We call abortion what it is, but we also do it in a way that is full of love and grace and truth and mercy in a way that um, really the Love Life, the mission statement is to unite and to mobilize the church, to create a culture, create a whole new culture of love and life that will result in the end to abortion and the orphan crisis. Mm -hmm. So because we want to see that shift in the culture, we want to see a shift where men and women that are confused, that are lost, that are broken, Maybe they're hopeless. Maybe they're desperate. They don't even know why they're in this situation. Maybe they're being forced into it by a boyfriend, by a husband, by a grandmother, grandfather, mother, father, uh, by siblings, by friends, by other influences. We want to see a shift in that culture to where men and women will start running to the local church rather than to the local abortion clinics. So love life at the heart of it is not pro-life activism. This is Christianity 101. And we are motivated... Um, the best way I can describe it to people is that we are motivated by the great commandment. And as Jesus summed it up, you can sum up all the commandments in two commandments is to love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Right. We're also guided with that love from the God, that intimacy to love our neighbor. And then we're also guided by the great commission to go and to make disciples of all nations. And really, as we're going into the darkest areas of the city, we're also collaborating in John 17 unity, where basically Jesus mm. is praying over the disciples mm. and he says that you will know the love that, or that the world will know that the love that we have for one another, you will know that basically we are his disciples. Um, and basically our intention and purpose is to reach uh, the least of these, re literally to reach the, the people that are in the ditch. Like if you look at the parable of the Good Samaritan that are in the ditch, that the Levite passed by on the other side of the road, the priest passed by on the other side of the road. Then the good Samaritan actually comes into the ditch and then helps those out of the ditch. Um, and these abortion clinics are mission fields across the nation. Mm. So we know where scheduled babies are going to die, um, unfortunately. And we want to run to that place. We, instead of running yeah. away and shying away from this issue, like this is an issue between life and death itself. And then we have a desire to shift that culture with love and life to invade the darkness with the light of the world, the hope that we have in Christ now that he lives in us to take it to the darkest areas of the city. And that's where we see mm. even the atmosphere shifting uh, in our cities is when the light of the world shows up to the darkest areas and offering the hope and help uh, from the local church, uh, as well as just the hope and help of Jesus himself to these moms and dads that are making a very grave mistake. Yeah. Um, and they're making, a, this is a tough decision. And you, we see it. Moms and dads are going in. They, they either don't want to be there. They're confused. We're praying on the front lines of really, the best way I can say is the gates of hell itself. Um, we are praying. We're interceding for miracles that, that moms will choose life, um, that babies will stir in the womb. They'll kick in the womb, that maybe they'll hear the words from a sidewalk outreach team member They'll be convicted and they'll choose life. And then, of course, that we get them plugged into the church. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of different things to peel back the, the layer here. But really, again, um, it's it, we're motivated by the great commandment to love God, to love people, 
to go to make disciples uh, of all nations, again, in John 17 unity to reach the least of these at abortion clinics. Mm. And you're right. I mean, there are many layers uh, that that we can peel back and we're going to. Um, before we talk more about, I mean, how Love Life lives out its mission that you just mentioned, uh, would you be willing to share with us why this is so important? The the mission that you are are so passionate about. Why is it that you um, are so passionate about it? Yeah, so I have. Um, I, I was born and raised in Florida. Uh, just a quick, you know, backstory from my life. Um, I'll try to do this quickly. Uh, born <laughs> and raised in Florida, uh, Central Florida. Um, moved up to North Carolina into Charlotte um, when I was twelve. Um, my parents ended up getting a divorce. Kind of went down to. Um, rebellious lifestyle, um, started seeking mm. other things. Um, I was born and raised actually in the church, but we never really found one when we you know, moved up here uh, to okay. Charlotte. So again, started just living that lifestyle, just living for me. Um, and I just full of a lot of different things, drugs, alcohol, partying, and unfortunately, even women. And I was living for my own flesh, my own desires. And at that time, um, 22 years ago, um, you know, I was living in sin, um, and my girlfriend at the time got pregnant. Um, I was very apathetic towards this issue. Um, I, I could have easily stepped in and said, you know, to be the man that God desires me to be and to, to put my foot down and to stand firm and to say, you know what, we may be in an unplanned pregnancy, but I'm, we're going to choose life for this baby. But instead, I was more apathetic towards it. And I just just told her, whatever you decide, it's fine with me. And she chose to go through with the abortion. And I remember specifically that day I drove her down to a abortion clinic um, off of Hebron here in Charlotte. And I sat in the waiting room while she went through that abortion. And um, and I, I tell you, I, I remember sitting in the waiting room. I, I still have that the, mm -hmm. the vision of that. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I just remember the uneasiness of even being there. Um, and after that, our relationship just split. We broke up. We um, we were never the same after that moment. I can tell you that firsthand, uh, a part of my testimony. Um, and then God radically saved me in 2006. And um, out of that lifestyle, and uh, you know, He just made me a new creation. And one of the first things that God, you know, did for me in that moment was just for me to almost reflect back and remember. Uh, that abortion 22 years ago. And mm. immediately I felt this burden, like, man, I, looking at the Bible, looking at the sixth commandment that you shall not murder. I, I took that very seriously. Like, man, I, I, I was apathetic. I may not have gone through, I may have just been apathetic towards it, but the reality is I still allowed it as the man. And, um, and I immediately felt conviction and this passion to be a voice for the voiceless. So I started even before coming on to Love Life, I started going out to the abortion clinic um, and I started pleading with moms, with dads, um, even on the microphone, um, you know, offering the, the gospel and offering the hope and help of the church that we are there mm -hmm. to help them. Um, but I think that's why I'm so passionate about this is because I would have a 22 year old son or daughter right now. And that is something, mm -hmm. a decision that I'm going to still have to live with the rest of my life. Um, I know that the blood of Jesus has covered that. The Bible makes yeah. it very clear that he has made me a new creation. He's removed that transgression as far as the East is from the West. And God literally remembers it no more. Like that's how far, that's the grace of God. And I know that I don't, I don't deserve that. Um, it's not something that I deserve, but by his gift in Christ to me, 
he's made me a new creation and removed that sin. Um, but now I feel this mm -hmm. deep calling in my life to be a voice for the voiceless and to defend those that can't defend themselves. Um, and really the most innocent, and that's the babies in the womb. Uh, so I want to mm -hmm. continue to be a strong voice for them um, and do this as like a testimony uh, for even my child that would be 22 years old right now. Mm. What do you say to someone who um, is listening to this and has gone through an ab abortion, whether they were a father um, or a mother? Uh, what do you say to them? Yeah. If they, if they have gone through an abortion, uh, whether it's a, a mother or father, um, you know, the, the reality is I would first start off by saying that you're not alone. Um, mm. They say that 25%, the, the stats are real, that they say that one in four women and men have an experience in abortion in a lifetime. And, and the reality wow. is that that's a, that's a staggering number when you think about it. So 25% yeah. of the population of the United States of America, over 300 million people, have experienced an abortion. And that, so that's, a, that's wow. a huge number. So I would start off by saying that you are not alone, that this mm. is not something that you should keep in. Um, and I would say first and foremost, for those that are in Christ, again, like I said, you are a new creation and you do not have to live in shame and condemnation if that is a part of your testimony. I cannot tell you how many people that I've met, um, even over the course of being in this ministry and having a heart for it, uh, and a desire to see people um, come out of the closet, essentially, of uh, of this pain uh, that, they're, that they have in their testimony of, of being a post-abortive father and mother that have found forgiveness, healing, restoration, mm. uh, forgiveness. And they're sharing with their spouses for the first time, maybe uh, maybe for, for the first time ever, um, about their past abortion. Um, so I would just say that come to Jesus. Um, he is the only one. If you're not in Christ, he's the only one that can make you right. He's the only one that can remove that sin as far as the east is from the west. He's the only one that can give you a new heart and new desires. Um, and if that is a part of your testimony and Jesus has set you free, um, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And if that's a part of your testimony, that Jesus literally wants you to be saved from that shame and condemnation. Don't hold that in. Talk to your husband. Talk to your wife. Uh, whoever's listening to this, talk to a family member, talk to your pastor, talk to an elder, talk to a dear brother or sister in Christ about it. Um, but don't hold on to that sin and shame because we know that's exactly what Satan desires. He wants you to hold on to that. And Jesus wants you to set you free from it. Um, so if that's a part of your testimony today, uh, go share it. Tell somebody, don't hold on to that. Um, and then use your voice and your testimony as a powerful voice for God. And he, and that testimony is a part of your testimony. And, you know, for those that are in Christ, you don't have to be ashamed of that, you know, mm -hmm. use it, use it for God's glory, because that's a part of your testimony. Amen. We know that Satan, uh, feels stronger in the darkness and in the loneliness. And so I love your challenge to reach out and, and bring someone into that testimony with you, bring yeah. someone in, you know, where you, that you trust that you can be honest with. And, um, you know, my prayer is that those that are, are feeling like they need to talk to someone will find someone who will love them mm -hmm. along this path instead of, uh, you know, judging them or, um, and that they'll meet love instead of shame that's right. uh, because that's so important. <laughs>
Hey listeners, you know how grateful I am that you guys take time out of your life to listen to the podcast. You all have been so supportive with your messages and encouragement during my sabbatical. Now that we're back, you have a chance to support the podcast financially. Producing the podcast requires paying hosting fees, maintaining recording equipment, and sometimes buying coffee for our guests. Patreon is where you become a contributing member of the podcast family and receive a couple perks. For just $5 a month, you can receive all episodes ad-free. And at $10 a month, you're now a podcast contributor. And not only are you going to get those ad-free episodes, but you're going to get exclusive access to our monthly Journey of Ruth coffee chats, where I get to know you as a listener and you can chat about your life and ideas for the podcast with me. So go check it out today. Just visit patreon.com slash journey of Ruth. Now, my challenge to anyone is to go on to lovelife.org and spend five minutes on there and not cry because (laughs) I myself am not a crier and I'm watching these videos. I mean, tears are welling up in my eyes (laughs) and I'm like, oh boy. Um, But that is the strength of the stories of the people that have been impacted by the Love Life Ministry. Now, you guys do various things. Um, I, I don't know if I said this at the beginning, but it's very much a holistic ministry every part, we, you know, outreach to those that are post-abortive, those that are considering abortion. What does that look like once they've chosen life? Uh, that's not it. That's not where your ministry ends. You guys continue to walk them through. You have orphan care. Um, but one of the big things that you guys do are these prayer rallies um, every Saturday, February to November. My dad does them in Charlotte. So that's uh, where I first learned about the ministry. But um, you guys go to a local abortion clinic and you have these prayer rallies in front of them. Mm -hmm. And when I first heard that my dad was doing them once again, what came to my mind was what I feel like is the only thing we ever see presented um, when we think about Christians and abortions. And that's Christians yelling at anybody, condemnation, uh, you know, shame, uh, how dare you go into that abortion clinic? And your guys' prayer rallies are not that. So how do they look different? When I hear that Love Life is having an abortion, or I'm sorry, having a prayer rally in my city, what am I expecting when I come? That's not what I'm thinking I see in the negative attention that that sometimes happens on the news. Yeah, it's um, and thank you for sharing that too, because I, I think a lot of people... Um, when you talk about abortion and you think about, you think abortion and Christians and the world itself, and maybe even many Christians themselves or people in the church have this preconceived notion of what exactly does this look like? This pro-life movement uh, and how it operates. And like you said, we are not out there with pitchforks. We're not out there with torches. We're not out there throwing eggs and tomatoes and all sorts of rotten fruits and vegetables. And we're not off, we're not even yelling shame and condemnation. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, these prayer walks that we are that we're take that are taking place, it is actually in our code of conduct that we will not engage with anyone out there. Now there's training and we can talk further about that here in a little bit about ways to get connected. But at these prayer walks, um, I tell people two things. And if you can do one of these two things or both of these things, then you can come on a prayer walk. We are there to worship 
So we have like a stage set up, some amplified sound. If you enjoy worshiping God and spirit and truth, and you can pray, then you can come on one of these prayer walks. That's all we're mm. doing. We are peacefully mm. prayer walking. We're crying out. We are pleading with God for moms to change their hearts and to change their minds with this abortion. We're praying for miracles over these babies that are inside the building. We get live uh, numbers of how many moms at that time are in the building. And we are crying out for the exact number of moms and babies mm. that are in that building. And we're praying for miracles and we are not there to engage with anyone. Um, so basically it's almost like having a Sunday service outside mm-hmm. of an abortion clinic here in Charlotte. Uh, someone gifted us the land right next to the Southeast busiest abortion clinic. So, and your father comes about every other week to one of these prayer walks. Yeah. Um, we literally stand, we, we stand on the lot. We worship. Um, someone does give the tragic truth of abortion and what's happening, not only um, in the U.S., but also locally as well, right there in mm-hmm. Charlotte. Um, we're describing the scene, what to expect for the for the first time prayer walkers and for those that have been, you know, maybe hundreds of times as well um, for these prayer walks. And um, we're there to offer love, to offer hope and to help to families that are in a tough situation. And there are testimonies. People will ask me, well, why do you have to show up at this prayer walk right next to the abortion clinic and worship and pray? Why can't you just go to a church and go to, and go pray or pray at your home? And I can tell you firsthand uh, that there are so many testimonies that moms that see people in love life t-shirts, um, whether it's blue or whatever, they see the church out there worshiping, praying, interceding, um, and they changed their minds. There was a testimony um, mm. that happened. It was roughly about a year ago where this mom showed up. It was, I want to say three or four years ago that showed up for an abortion on a Saturday. She heard a song that she remembered in church. Um, and she just said she was immediately convicted right when she was getting out of the car. She says, I can't go through with this. Like, I know this is wrong. I shouldn't wow. be here. Got back in her car and left. Didn't tell anybody. She shows up to the same abortion clinic Three years later, during the week, when, a, one, when one of our sidewalk outreach team members is there, and she says, I was here three years ago for an abortion, and I saw people in the Love Life t-shirts, I heard a song that I remembered in church, and she said, and I chose life, and she rolls down her back window, and she says, I want you to meet my three-year-old baby. <laughs> I mean, and every time I say that, I almost just start bawling, because it's like... Well, I've got tears in my eyes. That, so. that is... <laughs> That is the purpose of love. Life. And that baby exists now and has a hope, has a future, has a plan yeah. and a purpose, has value, worth, significance, and now has a chance to be a doctor, to be a politician, to be yeah. whoever, a next missionary to China, whoever it may be, because the church was there. And that's the, that's the thing is when the church shows up to the darkest areas of the city, the light of the world, as I mentioned, Jesus that lives in us now, the darkness must flee. And we're seeing testimonies. We see the atmosphere shifting. So we are not there to offer mm-hmm. shame and condemnation. We are simply there to worship and to pray and to intercede. And I, I tell you right now, I will see myself, grown men, women, youth that will literally be pleading and crying out. And people are just broken over what they're experiencing when they're looking mm-hmm at the abortion clinic and they know what's happening there, people are changed. And that, that even the culture there just shifts. You feel it, you experience it. And that's who love life is. Wow. (sighs) I mean, 
the stories once that's just one of so many stories of lives being changed. And you guys don't just do the prayer rallies, though that's, you know, a big part. And you guys do those rallies for 40 weeks, right? Correct. Yeah. So we're, we're fast approaching. Like you mentioned, we are starting up our 40 week journey of hope. Uh, the first week, what we call it as an adoption week. So we get local churches and pastors to adopt weeks. Um, and then that's where it's from Sunday to a Saturday. Um, and then with that said, so um, week one is from this, I'm sorry, February 6th through the 12th. So coming up in a few weeks, I'll be preaching a sermon um, at my, my home church and I'll be doing a love life presentation, welcoming and inviting people into the week one. Um, and there's a four pillars to an adoption week uh, for churches and for pastors. Uh, there's the here piece, which is just raising awareness, training, educating and commitment from the local church um, that, that is there that is adopting that week. Many people are just not, they're not used to the tragic truth of abortion. Um, and it's just mm -hmm. getting their commitment. This is who Love Life is. This is a partnering ministry. We are partnering with you. You are partnering with us. We are in this together. Um, and then there's the pray piece during the week, that Wednesday, during the 40-week journey of hope. Um, mm -hmm. We are asking the church to pray, to fast, to intercede, to cry out to God, to change hearts, to change minds, and as well, the, the go piece. Um, the go piece is the third pillar uh, and then the, as, on, on a, that Saturday, we will peacefully, as I mentioned, go on the prayer walk to the abortion clinic. We're going to worship and pray and intercede for an hour and a half from 9 a.m. to 1030 a.m. And that's from coast to coast, east coast to west coast. We're having prayer walks in over 14 different regions. Um, and then we, the connect piece is the final piece. We're going to give opportunities for people to connect beyond the prayer walk. And that kind of leads into what your question was is that yeah. we give an opportunity for people to go beyond the walk. If they experience something at the prayer walk that changes them, that maybe they've never experienced something like that in their life. They feel the weight and the gravity of death and destruction, but they also know the, the hope that we have in Christ. As we are interceding, we're prying, crying out, we're worshiping. Uh, we give a way for people to connect uh, to give of their um, their time, their talent, their treasure, um, and there's multiple ways that we can that people can do this. We say, you know what? One of those ways is a prayer walk champion. If you feel God is impressing on your heart to go beyond this prayer walk and maybe help with the setup and teardown, maybe you're gifted in sound and you want to help run the soundboard. Maybe you want to help welcome people in and check people in. Um, we we have areas to plug into that um, the, for the observation team, for the parking team. There's a lot of ways that we can get people to get plugged in. We have sidewalk outreach team members. They are essentially on the front lines of this battle every single day. The other, you know, for six days a week that are offering hope and help from the church, that are crying out to the moms that are going in. They're handing literature to the moms, showing them the development of the baby, um, different uh, crisis pregnancy resource centers that we are partnering with. Um, mm -hmm. It's the last line of defense for these babies when they're walking in. Um, so we, we give them an opportunity to, to shadow and to go beyond the prayer walk to become a sidewalk outreach team member. Um, we also have life discipleship mentors that these moms that choose life, and you've mentioned this before, and I appreciate that what you're mentioning, because that is so true about our ministry. We don't just pat people on the back and say, thank you for choosing life. Good luck. Um, we truly want to walk life with them, life on That's life right. with these moms, with these dads. And we give them an opportunity to plug them into the church. If they need help, if they're in a situation that is kind of dire, 
if they if they want to know the gospel and as our sidewalk outreach team members are sharing the good news of Jesus, maybe they surrender their heart to Christ. We are pl plugging them into a life discipleship mentor um, and we are committed to those families for two years. We are it's literally a commitment from people to love these moms and these dads. We're throwing baby showers for them. They are plugging them into the church. They're coming to church. I mean, it's just amazing. So Life Discipleship Mentors, um, we have Restore Life Bible Studies. If that is a part of your story, like it is mine, and you're a post-abortive mother or father, maybe you want to start a Bible study in your church. Maybe you want to be a part of one. Maybe you need healing yourself. We give an opportunity for people to get plugged in there. Um, mm -hmm. And we also, again, our, our mission statement of Love Life um, is to end, to see an end to the abortion and the orphan crisis. And the yeah. orphan crisis you know, there's over 440,000 orphans and we, we have a desire um, deeply to care for the orphan, also the widow, life inside the womb and also outside the womb. And we want to see the orphan care uh, crisis completely eradicated. So we give opportunities for adoption services, for orphan care and fostering as well. Um, and then maybe God may be calling you to a financial partnership. Maybe you you, you get it, you understand, uh, in order for us to take the mission and vision of Love Life, not just to the 14 regions uh, that we currently have, but all 700 abortion clinics to have a Christian presence and witness at these abortion clinics, it takes finances to make that happen. Maybe God impresses on your heart to give of your treasure to make that happen. So as I mentioned, we give multiple opportunities to, for you to get involved beyond the prayer walk as well. Yeah. And here at the journey of Ruth, our focus and our um, our challenge to listeners is that discipleship is a command that we all have, um, and uh, you know sometimes it's presented as a a, a good option in the church. And in yeah. fact, Matthew twenty eight says, "No, no, no, this is a command. I'm giving it to you all." And so I love that this is an opportunity that people have to reach out and disciple uh, a young mom, a young couple, how beautiful for a, a, a wife and a husband to disciple a young mom and the father uh, if they're walking through this together. And mm -hmm. that that is some of the stories that I saw on the website. They have videos of, of women saying, you know, I, I went and I chose life and that wasn't where it ended for me. And 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 meet this person. She's my disciple. She's my mentor. And uh, she threw me a baby shower. And she did this for me. And they did this for me. And uh, it's so beautiful to see because that's that that love from the church piece, Amen. right? That's not just choose life. It's like choose life and come and be a part of us, right? Because we want to serve you. Yes. As you are walking along, because that's a scary journey. You choose life. Now what? Right. And you guys are answering that now what question uh, in so many ways. Mm. Uh, I think for for moms that have have chosen and um, heard your ministry and been affected by it. Yeah. Hey guys, I want to take a minute to tell you about the journey of Ruth Inside Look. The Inside Look is our newsletter that comes directly to your email box the first Friday of each month. The Inside Look includes a short devotional thought, a recap of the month's episodes, a few of our repostables or printables that you might have seen on social media, and insight into episodes coming in the next month. 
Sometimes I even need questions or feedback from you as the listener. It's in this newsletter that I post those questions and encourage you all to send me your input. If you'd like to receive the inside look in your inbox next month, please go to journeyofruthpodcast.com slash newsletter. Once you're there, you can enter your email and you're all set. I promise we won't spam you just once a month. An email full of encouragement and podcast info written just for you, the Journey of Ruth listener. Go sign up today and don't miss another edition of The Inside Look. When someone, okay, so you guys are in 14 different regions uh, around, you know, like you said, coast to coast, um, but there are a lot of states that are, that don't have a love life ministry in them yet. Right. And like you said, we want to get to 700, all 700. Um, what does it look like to see Love Life move into your area? How does that even happen? Yeah. So what at first, we, we do um, go through a, an extensive process. Um, what we call people that are branching into new areas, they're, they're essentially missionaries. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we know that every one of us um, is, is a missionary. When, 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 when Christ saves us and calls us, we're all missionaries, like you said, and to go and make disciples of all nations. So the process is, is um, for them to get plugged into really our expansion team. Um, and they, they go through a process of, of, of vetting as well. We want to make sure that this is going to be a good fit on all parties. Um, mm. We don't just hand stuff over for expansion just to anybody. Um, we have different boot camps. Uh, missionaries come in. In fact, we're having one next month in February during our first week of the 40-week journey of hope. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to say there's anywhere from 25 to 30 new missionaries coming into Charlotte um, and to learn about love life. They have a deep burden for this issue. They, they have a desire to be missionaries as well in in their respective cities. Um, So then coming through and there's different phases that they have to go through because we want to make sure as well that whoever is sent out as a missionary from love life, that there is a vetting process. We want to make sure that the testimony lines up, the mission and vision line up, that again, there's no type of conflict or issues when you know these missionaries are reaching out uh, to the city. So our desire is, is that for these missionaries to almost to plant that seed for them to go reach the local church, because these missionaries, I can't do this on my own. No one else in any of these other respective cities can't do it on our own. This is a responsibility of the church, and it's time for the church to respond to the greatest moral issue of our day. So these missionaries, when they're sent back to their cities, they are called to engage with pastors of churches, respective business leaders, and so forth, and to ask for pastors to either come to a one-hour journey for their heart to be broken at an abortion clinic, or for them to adopt a week, and then to get the church, hopefully in large numbers, out to the prayer walk, and they start to see the momentum build. Then more and more um, people that love God and love their neighbor as herself, and they have a deep burden for this, um, they get plugged in and they start coming to the abortion clinic, and then it continues to spread and grow. Um, but just like anything, expansion takes a little bit of time. We've we have grown so quickly over the last five years that we almost, in a sense, had to take a step back for a moment. Um, because again, we realized the importance of not only sending these missionaries out, but we need to shepherd these missionaries. We need to yeah. make sure that they have the tools and resources available to make sure that God's hand is on them and that God will bless their efforts and that they have the support of love life in general as well when they're being sent out. Um, because this is not an easy work, but it, it is honestly the most fulfilling work I've ever done in my life. 
but it's also very hard work. So we want to make sure that we are supporting them. Um, but yeah, we're, we're expanding and we're, we're looking at branching into one thing I did not mention is we're looking at branching into 14 new cities this year alone. So if you can think about that, wow. 14 regions now currently uh, over the last five years going into year six now, um, now we're looking at 14 new regions and cities just in this year alone. So we're seeing very much expansive growth um, and we're just praying God's blessing on it to ultimately see the end of abortion in our lifetime. I I love that. I love that you guys are are expanding, but being intentional because there are so many aspects of your ministry. When you when you say, okay, we are setting up a love life ministry, it's not just we're setting up these prayer walks. There's all of those other pieces that are involved. And you're right. You don't just go in and say, okay, starting this week, we now have a, you know, a new ministry here. It's that training and that equipping of the leaders. And so once again, that speaks to the intentionality of love life and uh, how important it is for you guys to reach out to these moms and these dads in a way that's life-changing and a way that's loving. Um, Sometimes when we talked about this at the beginning, abortion can be a really hard topic yes. uh, to talk about. Or um, if you find out, if a friend comes to you and um, confides in you that they're thinking about it or that, they're, that they've had an abortion, um, my favorite, <laughs> I, as someone who's done discipling, is... I, nothing shocks me. Nothing shocks me anymore. And so I have had, you know, um, friends that have come and said, I, I need to tell you something. And, and I'm like, okay, what's up? You know, and they, they let me know. And I'm like, okay, so where are we going from here? And I had one say, okay, you can act surprised now. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. What is that? What is next? You know, and, and because for me, that's one thing that, that I really try, if someone's going to trust in me and, and, and be that honest with me, the last thing I want to do is, <gasps> you know, and, and gasp and, right. and make a big deal out of it. So can you give us your best advice here? What is one thing that, uh, you would encourage us to say to someone who's wrestling with abortion, yeah. someone who comes to us and says, I'm thinking about having an abortion. And what is one thing that you would caution us not to say? So what's one thing we should say? What's one thing we should not say? Yeah, I think, um, and this is a, again, abortion is a difficult, a difficult subject. Even having that conversation is a real, because the thought is already in that person's mind that this, yeah. I'm, I'm wrestling with this. And so we need to be very sensitive and and I think first and foremost, it's and I'll go into thinking, you know, what we should say and not say. But I think it's very important that our body language, our the our speech, everything should be full of love, um, but also full of truth, you know, grace and truth. Um, so I'd like to start off really by saying that your baby is not a mistake, regardless of whatever it is, ever any situation that you are in, your baby is not a mistake. And this is not a problem to simply just get rid of like, this is not just flushing some trash, you know, down the toilet or throwing some trash in the trash can or whatever. This is a human life. When you take a pregnancy test, 
it is literally you are it's a positive pregnancy and there was never a question at all whether it was a human you start wondering is it a boy is it a girl so the humanity of the baby is also something to talk about is that god desires for you to keep your child god desires for you to not kill your child or take the life of your own baby because God desires life. I mean, we know that he loves life. He loves you. He loves me. He loves all of us. He cares deeply about life. And he doesn't, and Satan cares deeply about death. He wants death and destruction and chaos. John 10, 10 says for the, the thief came to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus has come to give life and to give it in abundance. So Jesus desires for that, that mom, the dad, the pressure, whatever it may be, to keep that child. And that child is a blessing and inheritance from God. And, um, you know, really like one thing I like to describe too, and I want to describe a few baby features to you as well, because I think this is also important because the, the world will say in this moment, like, oh, I'm pregnant. I'm thinking about an abortion. The world will say, just go through with it. It's just a clump of cells or just a clump of tissues. It's not really a life. There's not really something there. Um, and I just want to describe some baby features. So that way, maybe your listeners or whoever can kind of jot these down. Um, at 17 to 21 days, the heart of that baby starts beating. So think about that. Mm. 17 to 21 days. By the time that a woman is missing her period and taking that pregnancy test and it's positive, your baby already has a heartbeat. And so that's a, that's a huge beginning stage right there, 17 to 21 days. And at six yeah. weeks, there are detectable brain waves. At eight weeks, every organ of that baby is formed and the baby responds to touch. So think about that. Eight weeks, the baby responds to, to touch. At 12 weeks, the baby has unique fingerprints. Their sex organs are formed. Their eyelids are formed and they have 10 fingers and 10 toes. At 20 weeks, um, in North Carolina, you can have an abortion up to 20 weeks. And at 20 weeks, the baby kicks, grasps, sucks their toes and their thumbs, their vocal cords develop, and their baby can cry and feel pain. And these are hard things to talk about. I get it. Like, but these are the things that are happening in your, in, in your body, like in, essentially in that child's life, a body that's within your body. Um, and the book, you know, of course, Psalm 139, 13 through 14 says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. So just talking about God's, basically God over the baby. This is not a mistake. Uh, God desires for you, that baby to live and not die. Um, and also the humanity of the baby, talking about the baby features, that your baby is alive and well, has a heartbeat and so forth. So describing, you know, all those things, that's what you should be talking about. Letting that conviction even set in. Conviction is a healthy thing. So if that conviction starts to settle in, praise God for that, because that could mean that the difference between life and death for that child. Um, and then one thing I would not say, um, you know, it's again, it's about the speech and the way we say it. But I think sometimes when we have these conversations, it's easy to immediately say, well, but if, if you do go through with this abortion, God will forgive you. And um, if you go through with this abortion, and that is a very, it's, it's a very damaging statement 
um, mm. for a couple of different reasons. Um, while God is merciful and those that are in Christ, of course, he does remove our sin as far as the east is from the west. Um, those simple words can actually encourage women, whether you believe it or not, to go through with the abortion and then just ask for forgiveness later. Like I, you know, I, I can just do this and I'll just ask for forgiveness because you said that God will forgive me anyway. Um, with grace and truth, it's okay to call abortion what it is and to say that this is taking of a life and actually because it is a life, this is murder. Um, and I know that's a tough thing to say and to hear, but the reality is the sixth commandment says, you shall not murder. And the reality is, that's a part of my testimony. Even being apathetic towards it, I murdered my child. And the gravity and the weight of that, the conviction of that, not, con not condemnation, Satan will condemn you. But the conviction is, is that through those simple words, what not to say is that God will forgive you if you go through with this, but to say that actually this taking place is murder because it's taking the life of a child. And whether that is inside the womb or outside the womb, if we are taking the life of someone else, that is murder. And we need to call it like we see it as well. But of course, mm -hmm. we do it with grace, with love, with compassion and sympathy. But we also stand on the truth of what the Bible says about murder and that we shall not murder. Um, mm -hmm. So those are some things to think through and what you can say and what you shouldn't say. When we're talking to someone about that decision, a lot of times we do kind of jump to, well, uh, God says not to murder or, or we don't jump to that because we don't want to, you know, say those hard words. Um, but I think one of the things that's not always a part of the conversation is the effects, mental, physical, um, that the, uh, post-abortive parents go through. Can you talk through some of those things that, um, they may experience if they make that choice. Yes, it's, uh, I'm telling you, it is so crazy. It's, it's, it's really, really sad. Um, the, the moms, I mean, they literally like people that go through, especially the moms, the traumatic experiences, first off, there's long-term health effects. Um, it is proven that women that go through abortions, um, at time, it can be extremely hard to even get pregnant again, um, or the first time. So the more abortions they have, um, and it's easier for them to do it again. That first abortion, I'm telling you, is key. They are so quick to do it again if they've done it once. Um, mm -hmm. The stats also say that a woman is 50% more likely to commit suicide if they go through an abortion. The mm -hmm. weight and gravity, and I've talked to women that go, have gone through this, but speaking at churches, um, I'm very intentional with talking to people afterwards. And when you go through this restored life Bible study, this the healing that takes place, um, there are deep regrets. I've never met a single person that just looks at abortion and says, man, I am so happy that I had that abortion. Man, I, I am so thankful that I went through with that. All you hear is the deep regret, the anguish, um, and just the almost like, the, again, that condemnation that they're experiencing uh, from Satan. And so that first abortion is so key. I mean, all of them are key, um, but they're more likely to go through with it. And they're 50% more likely to commit suicide when they go through with that as well. And again, the immense um, really torture and anguish that it does not only to your body, but to your mind, knowing that you would have a child. And that is a day 
that women, that men, even myself sitting in that waiting room, you will remember for the rest of your life. You will remember that day and not for good reasons. Um, it's not like your wedding day or the, when you gave birth to your first child or you know any of your children. Um, it is a day of regret and remorse. Mm. Um, and I've, I've had it, and I'll share a quick testimony with you. There was a mom that, um, and this has happened numerous times too. We don't, all the, I mean, there's so many stories, um, but this woman went through an abortion and she came back literally three or three or four years later um, to the exact day that she went through an abortion. She showed up to the abortion clinic at Latrobe Drive, not to go through with another abortion. She was not pregnant. She literally was there to lament and she was weeping and sobbing and crying and just completely broken over her decision uh, that was years prior to that. And our sidewalk outreach team members, because the church was there, was able to minister to her, to share Jesus with her, to pray with her, to encourage her. Um, so those that's the kind of turmoil that women experience wow. when they go through abortions. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned that, um, you know, you yourself were apathetic um, at the time that you guys had to make that decision. But what would you say to a father who's just found out that his girlfriend or his significant other is pregnant and they're not sure that they want to go through with it? Um, I... I see like so many, um, so many things that we see in politic, uh, politics today of like, you know, it's my body and it's her body, but you're the dad and you're not sure that that's the direction that you want to go in or that, that that's the direction that's right. What would you say to that dad? Yeah. And, and I, and I appreciate you bringing this up because I, we at Love Life believe um, when we talk about the one in four women and men um, at Love Life, we believe that this is actually a greater man's issue than it is a woman's issue. Um, and mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly believe that um, because it, the reality is if men were to take the rightful place that God desires, if you're a man hearing this now, that God desires you to take and you to be in as the head of your family, um, as the leader of your family, the way that God has designed us, Genesis one twenty seven, and male and female. But we believe that if men were to take their rightful place in this process, that if you find yourself in an unplanned pregnancy, <clears throat> to be the man that God desires you to be. Um, the stats are true and real. It's, it's I wanna say it's over 95% that if men were to take the rightful place, if they were in an unplanned pregnancy, uh, if they were in a situation that they're considering abortion, that if that man were to, to take a stand for life and to say, I don't know how we're going to provide, I don't know what we're going to do, but I trust that God is in control or I'm going to do whatever I can to provide for you and our child, that over 95% of the time that the woman will choose life. So think about that. If the man were to take the rightful place, so I would say to the men out there, take the rightful place. Like in this culture, we have, I guess, lack of better words, sissified, like men. Like we have, we've just made men to be just something that's just less, um, you know, like not as, you know, what, is, what does the Bible say about truly being a man? And I, and, and I wholeheartedly believe that if we were to have more men rise to the top, 
um, and just take the place that God desires you to be and to make the tough decisions, to make the strong calls to say, we will choose life. We are going to have this baby that abortion, we would literally overnight, if every man were to take that position, I believe it would almost be eradicated. It would be done with because the woman is going to follow the man's leading. That's the way that God designed it to be. And that is not like the women is our helper and praise God for women. But man has created male and female and created men to lead. And so we believe wholeheartedly, if you're a man listening to this, man, make the tough call, make the tough decision to say, I'm going to stand for life. I'm not going to allow uh, you to go through with this abortion and you're going to provide for your child. And, mm -hmm. and God always does. He is faithful uh, to see you through it. Wow. And so many women choose abortion because they feel alone. Right. They feel like they are alone in this process and they don't know what's going to happen. But certainly that that is one thing, one portion of that that is removed when you have someone that says, I'm here with you. I'm here in this process. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. And I mean, what you're saying is certainly countercultural, um, you know, and, and for men and women, um, you know, to say, uh, we're going to have this baby and that connects us forever. Yeah. Um, you know, and we are going to choose life for this child. Um, yeah, it's definitely something that that is countercultural, but would allow women to not feel so alone. That's right. If that dad stepped up and, and walked alongside her in the entire process, the entire yeah, pregnancy. And then, and then as well, on top of that too, like if men were to take the rightful place, just say, um, even before marriage, um, that if men were to take the rightful place and desire purity and desire mm -hmm. to be in an, in an area to where you're not even going to find yourself in that situation to begin with, um, you know, with fornication, whatever it may be, if, if men were to take the rightful place, I mean, the women are going to follow the men. So if men were to take that rightful place and stand, I'm telling you, we would see abortion completely end. Um, and like you said, you made a great point. It is, it, it, this is your child as well. Like th this is, that was my child 22 years ago. And it's, it, it takes two. And, um, so it's, it's, it's very, very important for men to take the rightful place and to choose life. Gosh, I, I think you have given us a lot to think about, um, a lot to, um, consider about this thing that is so this topic that is so rampant in uh, our culture and our society, our world, uh, really. And, um, you know, thank you for everything that you shared, all of the, the information that we can now kind of take and process. If someone is looking for more information on love life and um, they want to get involved, where can they go? Yeah, so you can go check out our website, um, lovelife.org. Um, and if you want to get connected, um, there's ways there and, and love life may not be in your city yet, but you, by, by still desiring to connect, you can go to lovelife.org slash connect. Um, you can also follow us on, uh, YouTube, uh, Instagram, Facebook. If you are a business leader and if you're on LinkedIn at all, uh, you can go to LinkedIn and follow us on LinkedIn as well. Um, so there's multiple ways, but try, uh, lovelife.org slash connect. And grab your tissues before you go there <laughs> because you will not, if you spend just five minutes on that site, I promise you will not leave 
unchanged, um, or not impacted. Uh, cause you guys have just done a great job of, of allowing us like kind of peeling back the curtain and allowing us to see the truth of what you guys do and the truth of uh, how you guys get deeply involved in the, the lives of the people that you minister to and serve. So every episode we have a question that we ask because discipleship is so important to us. Um, who is it that uh, has helped you along in your journey? Well, I tell you, it's, um, I, I don't know if I can pinpoint it on one person, but I will say that discipleship in the church is so vital. And I really appreciate that you, you bringing that up because it, I can't think of a, a bigger thing that the church needs to be focusing on other than true discipleship, the, the teaching, the preaching, the life on life. And so one thing I've always, um, over my last 13 you know, plus years, actually 15 years now, 2006, Gosh, the Lord saved me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, has it been that long? I guess. Um, yeah. But really, you know, the Bible studies throughout um, the life on life, and I like to say say these three things: life on life, life in community, and life on mission together. And mm. with that, when you have, um, when we are a family, uh, when we're servants, when we're missionaries, and we're doing it together. Um, man, we are we're, we are seeing just this the, the the Christian walk unfolding before our eyes. So for me, it's been a multiple um, factors. My um, old, old youth pastor uh, Jeremy Rose, he's in Nashville, Tennessee now, a part a head pastor of Axis Church in Nashville. Um, he was instrumental um, for my first initial stages uh, when God saved me. Um, I gave up drugs, alcohol, all of that for forty days. I did a forty day fast. Um, and then I did it again for another 40 days. And there's just been so many other brothers and also sisters too, just sharing life together and Bible studies. Um, mm -hmm. it's been, it's been important. So right now, um, in our church, we have missional communities. So we gather once a week, um, together, we share a meal together, we confess, we open up. Um, and then within that we have our DNA groups, um, and it's discover, nurture and act. Um, so we're opening up the scriptures. We're discovering what it says. We're letting each other nurture one another through the Holy Spirit as we're being shepherded by what the word says. We're being challenged and encouraged and as well as acting. What does the Bible say? It's calling us to greater obedience um, to what God is calling us to do. Um, so discipleship, I really appreciate you bringing that up because it is so vital. And if if you're hearing this and you're not a part of a discipleship group and you feel lonely, um, this Christian walk was never meant to be lived alone. Um, discipleship is key confession is key. Repentance is key. Um, walking together, spurring one another on to love and good works is so key. So get plugged in to a church that truly takes discipleship seriously because it is vital um, in our walk. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for everything that you share with us. And um, I will be praying for Love Life and for your guys' ministry and how you guys are reaching out in the world. Um, Arizona is a place where we don't actually have a Love Life ministry yet. So I'm going to be praying that God would bring one to Arizona. And um, and I'm going to be praying for you guys as you reach out um, in your 14 regions as, a, as you grow in this next year um, and excited to see how your guys' ministry continues to impact the world. So thank you very much for all you guys do. Yes. According to praise God. Thank you for having me on. What a, what a great um, time with you. Um, and uh, I just value so much what you're doing as well. So keep up the great work and um, excited to see how this continues to grow. Thank you.
When I was thinking of a title for this episode, compassion was the only word I could use to describe what Love Life does for the families that they meet at and around the abortion clinics. I hope you are leaving this episode impacted. And I know, I know it's an uncomfortable topic, but it's a really important one for us to address. So thanks for sticking with us. If you want to find out more information about Love Life and maybe participate in one of their prayer rallies, head over to journeyofruth.com. On our website, you'll find notes for all episodes, an opportunity to sign up for the podcast newsletter, links to help support the podcast, and information on how I can bless your church or community through speaking or teaching. This week, come say hi over on Facebook and Instagram, and it would mean so much to me if you would take that time to leave a rating and review on your podcast app, and then click subscribe over on YouTube. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next Tuesday right here on the Journey of Ruth podcast.